My name is Ed, for those of you who are visiting, and it has felt to me a little today like we didn't come with a rousing amount of energy. I don't know if you have felt that in the building like I have. I think I'm especially mindful of it today because our son Jordan, uh, who sometimes will uh, lead worship for us, he just got back last night or yesterday afternoon, Diane picked him up from the airport, and he went with a buddy from college and a guy that had led a campus ministry when he was in college that Jordan was involved with. They went on a 10-day trip to just encourage people who had graduated from uh, UVA and the campus ministry that they were part of who are serving in very difficult parts of the world. So they spent two and a half days each, a little more than two and a half days each, in uh, Spain and Egypt and Tunisia. While they were in Egypt, a guy who has spent his entire adult life trying to serve people in the Middle East took the men on a walk through one of the slums of Cairo. And, you know, he said, look around. There are hundreds of thousands of people here. And not a single church. Not one. There's not a hospital. There's not a clinic. There's not really a school. And anything that we in the West might technically call a missionary, somebody who would go in and serve and offer up God's love and offer up God's grace in a world where God's grace is minimally understood, if at all, because I don't think you can fully get God's grace unless you get Jesus. In a world where that's the reality of the people that call themselves missionaries, 3% of them, 3% of the missionaries are in that part of the world. 97% of the energy that we spend going to places where there are already churches, 3% we invest in a part of the world where there's nothing that represents the grace of God kind of overwhelming for these young men. And I I said to Jordan, you know, like a legalistic dad, I said, so, you know, Sunday morning, what'd y'all do for church? He looked at me and said, I mean, there are Coptic Christians, dad, but they're underground. They don't have a church. So if they profess Christ, they meet in a home. Y'all, we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to be excited about. This is just me browbeating us. Shame on us for being able to come to a place like this and listen to this and, you know, clap and do whatever we want. We can walk outside and say, God loves you! Nobody's going to arrest us. We can go across the street and knock on people's doors and say, God loves you and you need that in your life and if you don't have that in your life, You are a mess. And the worst that will happen is they'll slam the door in our face. So I'm going to try to artificially generate some excitement for us this morning. Blatantly, I'm admitting that I'm doing that. So I want you to think about the most exciting thing that has happened to you so far today. (laughs) 
the most exciting thing that's happened to you so far today. Now, for some of you, admittedly, it's, it's brushing your teeth. But that, okay, that qualifies. The most exciting thing that's happened to you so far today. All right, you have exactly 34 seconds to tell two people the most exciting thing that's happened to you. Don't start yet. And I want it to be someone whom you have not spoken to today. I know some of you are shy. Here's what you do if you're shy and you don't really want to say anything to anybody. This is the key for this kind of time in a church like Gateway. Just move purposefully and people will think you're going somewhere. And then come back to your seat. But I'd rather you not do that. I'd rather you actually tell someone the most exciting thing that's happened this morning. It doesn't have to be religious. What's the most exciting thing that's happened to you this morning? Some of you at a sports center. A few of you, it might have been, you know, coming to Gateway and hearing from Ed. That's, that's awesome if that's you. That's, in fact, that's better than awesome. So, the most exciting thing that's happened to you this morning, you have 36 seconds. That's it. Back to your seat. So if you haven't figured out, this is uh, sort of like a small group Sunday, so different small group leaders. There you go, all you small group fans, this is small group Sunday. And uh, Cheryl and I, we lead the small group in Leesburg, which is the western outpost of Gateway. So you, when you go, keep going west until you think that civilization ends, and you're right at the edge of Leesburg. So we look west. Yeah, so we were asked to share a couple things about our small group. So generally, in terms of what we try to do on Sunday nights, uh, most Sundays we try to kind of track with the sermons. Uh, that way we can correct any you know, gaps. We're going to call it gaps. Um, huh. you know, just sort of filling in huh. uh, like that. You know, Usually about once a month we'll do a meal. You, costumes are not required at ours. You can just come and you can just eat. But I, I think... You know, as I was planning for this morning, if I'm really kind of humble about it, honestly, I'm really not sure whether we're a good or a bad small group. Actually, the Ashburn group sounded awesome. Maybe we might just come join you guys because that, that sounded pretty good. We're just kind of, I think, by our own design, we try to keep things pretty raw. Um, in fact, I, I think I'd say it this way. My group's probably thinking they want to get out of our group as I say this. But, you know, we just live in a world that's kind of messy and people have messy issues and so while some Sundays we come and we just kind of do a typical study, it's great. You know, we're really trying to support each other. And, and what I've learned is to support people, you've got to get messy with them. That means you've got to be vulnerable. Sometimes you've got to throw the lesson plan away that we worked for hours preparing and listen to somebody. And it's not you just share and pray. It's kind of like, wow, they're sharing something. I guess I'm supposed to respond to this, but that means I'm actually going to have to follow up with them. And that means I'm actually going to have to get involved in their life. And this is, maybe you could just keep your sharing a little bit more safe. But that's the kind of group we're trying to build. We're trying to build that culture. So if you want to get messy with us, roll up your sleeves. If you're out in the Leesburg area, certainly if you're west of Leesburg, please don't drive past Leesburg to go to one of those fancy groups up in Ashburn. <laughs> just kind of come and join us in, in Leesburg. I'm going to read from Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Fraser. Let's pray together. God, we are profoundly thankful 
and we give you permission to do what you must to remind us. Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our wills as we figure out more over the next couple of weeks still what it means to be all in with you. Many of us, God, have said that with our lives. We want to be all in. We feel like we uh, pull back at points. And others of us yet, Father, have not felt inspired or we have not been yet convinced or we have not wound ourselves up yet to the point of courage of being able to say that we're all in. And I, I pray, God, that you would continue to be who and what you are, that you'd be gracious to us and nurture us and guide us, but Lord, that you would lead us all in. In the strong name of Christ our Lord we pray, amen. This is Tom Bellino and Tim Eagle, and uh, Tom and Tim are two of our elders here at Gateway, and over the last uh, four weeks, the month of October, we talked about being all in with God, and we said one of the things about being all in, if you're all in with God, it means being all in with your finances. Because our finances are a significant part of what we do, who we are. Jesus said it like this. He said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if you want to know what your priorities are, check your checkbook. You don't, you don't use checkbooks anymore, but check out the flow of your finances. And we talked about being all in with our finances, and we discovered... It shouldn't have surprised us because our God is a generous God. We discovered that being all in with our finances is really driven by giving to God-honoring causes. So this morning, if you'll indulge us, a few moments of shameless self-promotion. We believe that Gateway is a God-honoring cause. Again, if you're visiting with us, thanks for being here. I believe that you have come at an extraordinary time in Gateway's history. And we need you because we are about to launch a launch ourselves, I guess. We, God is about to launch us on a really exciting chapter in our history together. I wanted Tom and Tim to do today is to kind of survey our finances, our budget, actually, last year, and give you some of what happened, and then survey this upcoming year, fiscal year, Uh, 2014, and give you a little bit of the skinny on that, because this is, as Mark Morgan said this morning in the announcement, this is budget time at Gateway, and where our treasure is, that's where our heart is, so we want our heart, we want our priorities reflecting the right thing. So, Tom and Tim, take it away. Okay, before I start, though Tim and I are both involved in small groups quite a bit, we don't have a small group that we're leading together, so... Just to let you know that fact up front. So, Tim, you've been significantly involved in this past year with Gateway. And so, tell me, how did Gateway do this year? Okay. This past year, when we talk about the past year, we're really talking about a fiscal year, as we're talking about budgets and everything. And our fiscal year is from October to September. So this past fiscal year just ended, and we had three priorities that we were focused on. The first one was to invest in our small groups and our small group leaders. The second was initiate a building program. And the third was to strengthen our youth and our kids' ministry. So what I want to do is just give you a quick rundown, some highlights real quickly of the accomplishments of each of these particular priorities, okay? So let me just just read through these. 
So we defined and we executed three super huddles. So we had all the leaders, small group leaders, come together last fall in order to just invest in them, that we set them aside and we wanted to just give them some time to encourage and to build into them and to strengthen our foundation. Out of those super huddles, we relaunched small groups last January with 15 groups, and we had many new leaders that stepped up and said they would be a part of that. And over 150 adults, on average, attending small groups since that time. And if you take a look around in this room, that kind of gives you an idea that pretty much everybody, almost everybody, at some point in time has been a part of a small group. There's been a three-year small group ministry strategic plan adopted that includes some new features of our ministry, such as leadership teams and the trimester system. We've had resource guides completed, and every single coach and leader in a team has a resource guide that helped them throughout their time as leaders. And then this fall, which we've already kicked off, is a time where we're going to invest even more in our leaders and in the health of our groups and in our leaders. So that's our small groups ministry. So in our building, what we did is we organized and launched a building team led by Tom Love. We signed a contract to sell the south parcel of our land. We've entered into a contract with a project manager, an architect, an engineer, and a general contractor for the building project. We've got contracts. There's been a series of multiple design and needs meetings since last spring involving many of you, which we really appreciate your involvement, in helping to define what this project is going to look like. And we're having a meeting this coming week with the project manager, architect, engineer, and general contractor to kick off this project. So a lot is going on in the building side. For youth and kids, we've stabilized the youth ministry as Alex has continued to invest his time in the ministry, which we greatly appreciate. A youth leadership team was established, which helps kind of direct and run what they're doing in that area. We hired Aaron Croats as our children's director this past spring. Yes. And if you haven't met Aaron, you need to go seek her out and meet her because she is great. And she's involved with our kids, which is even greater. And as part of her ministry, Wednesday nights, they do a discipleship time. They call it breakout. And this past Wednesday, they had over 20 kids, upper elementary kids, third, fourth, and fifth graders that are attending that discipleship time, and they're bringing their friends. So there is some great things happening in the children's and in the uh, youth area. And I've got to say that I've been around at Gateway for a little while, and this past year is one of the strongest, maybe the strongest times that we've ever had in addressing and meeting our priorities for the uh, strategic plan. It's wow. been a great year. Wow. So from a financial perspective, how did we do with the budget this past year? Right. So our budget, which just ended, as I mentioned, we actually undergave by $75,000. So our actual income was $75,000 less than what we had budgeted, which meant that we couldn't do some things that we wanted to. We couldn't add to this list of accomplishments. However, we also underspent by quite a bit as well. And so the net of all of that is that we actually ended up in the black about $10,000. So we actually made more money last year than what we spent. And that's a huge accomplishment for a church of this size. And again, it goes a lot to the credit to the staff, to the uh, team leaders, and to the line item budget owners. They did a great job in this. Well, that's quite a year. It's a pretty good year we've had this last year. And I just want to take this moment to thank all of you. Thank you for giving your time, your talents, and your treasures, because it's a church effort, and we all participate in that. So I just want to thank all of you, and we should applaud the group and the unity of this church in doing these things. Because that, you know, Absolutely. 
we add to the top of that, you know, what Alex said about what we've done mission-wise this year as well. But, you know, these are significant things. We had a great year, and we've got another year coming up. Absolutely. So, okay, so y'all hold on. Okay. I was afraid that Tom and Tim would be incredibly boring, and may I say you, you did great so far. But we're about to launch into 2014, and before we do, I asked Jonathan put together for us just a four-minute video survey snapshot of some of the things that we've done this past year. So let's look at that right now. Just look at the last year in review, and then we'll have Tom and Tim tell us about the next year. So this is 2013 in review. And all God's people said, I particularly like when we have the Easter egg hunt in bad weather. They just lay the Easter eggs out on the gym floor. (laughs) Even we could do that, right? Okay. All right. So, uh, Tom, your turn. What are we going to be focusing on this coming year? Okay. For this year, we have five priorities that we're focusing on. The first one is to advance our building program. This year, we're going to take significant strides towards breaking ground. Yeah. We need to improve our infrastructure. 
our teams. We need to build them up and get strengthen them and get them ready. We need to continue to work with our small groups to continue on the work we did last year to strengthen them and to make sure they're healthy and to make sure our leaders are healthy and cared for and to continue to support our children's and youth programs. It's always been uh, one of the first priorities in Gateway, so we're going to continue always to have our children and youth be our priority. And the last one is we're going to uh, work to develop new leaders, especially among some of the younger people here, to identify and to mentor and to train up new leadership. All right. So given all of that, there's a lot of initiatives and priorities that we've got. How does that translate into the budget? What does that mean? Okay. Because we're going to aggressively move towards building a building, there's some significant funds that are going to be required. So if you take a look at the budget, there's a big... Let's put it the big gorilla in the middle of the budget, and that's uh, the building. So it's going to take a lot of commitment on our part and a lot of prayer and hard work. And then on top of that, we're going to be making some adjustments in staff to bring in some additional support and also to uh, move some people in what they're doing in order to let them focus on some of these priority areas. So you're not going to reveal any of that right now? No. If you want to know more, come to the budget meeting okay. after the service. <laughs> all right. and, yeah. Okay. All right. So um, how do we respond to all that? That's a lot. How do we respond? First of all, we pray. You know, it's a God-sized task we have ahead of us, a God-sized year. So we need to pray. We need to vote and approve the budget. So we have a community meeting next week for that. And last of all, we have to go all in. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I'm going to cut out some of what I was going to say this morning because we've spent some time, and it's been good, but we've spent some time. So let me begin by laying a sort of foundation for the next couple of weeks. I'll eventually circle back to the scripture that Cheryl Fraser read for us this morning. Uh, But we're talking about being all in, and over the next uh, three weeks, we're going to talk about being all in with our time and energy. According to a 2011 Gallup poll, just over 92% of Americans believe in God. That really hasn't changed very much since they first started doing this poll in 1944. But by definition, I think to be in with God is to be all in. By definition, to be in with God is to be all in. Jesus made this absolutely clear both in his life and his teaching. You cannot be partly in with God. By definition, to be in with God is to be all in. Believing in God is simply of no good. It is of no spiritual value unless you are all in. As a way of illustrating that, if we cherry-pick one place where Jesus would address this kind of thinking, we could go to Luke chapter 9. So I'm going to read real quickly from Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 27. Listen to this. Jesus said to them, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Some of you are familiar with this passage. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a person to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. To be in with God is to be all in. So what Jesus talks about here, first of all, is denying ourselves. This is an attitude change. This is an attitudinal change. This this is a move away from self-promotion and self-protection. 
Then he talks about taking up our cross. This is a behavioral change in our actions, in our choices. This is a move away from self-centeredness. Then he says, follow me, and this is a lifestyle change. This is a new way of living. Jesus becomes our guide, our example, and our governor. This kind of lifestyle is the only way to lead a purposeful and meaningful life, I'm convinced. Or as Jesus phrased it, this is the only way to save your soul. What good is it if you end up with all the toys and all the accolades you ever wanted, but you don't really have a life that means anything? You cannot be partly in with God. By definition, to be in with God is to be all in. Now, one of the most significant implications of being all in with God, and over the next three weeks we're going to talk about different aspects, different implications of what it means to be all in with God. But one of the most significant implications of being all in with God is that your life is a life lived on mission. Your life is a life lived with profound intentionality and purpose. It's a life lived on mission. When you are all in with God, you're on mission. Again, Jesus made this absolutely clear. When he first introduced himself to his disciples, he issued a call to them. When he first met them, this is what Jesus said. Mark records it for us in the first chapter of Mark. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So now Jesus' kind of teaching ministry begins, and he is, in effect, becoming, positioning himself as a rabbi. So he's hanging his shingle. I'm going to be a teacher. I'm promoting a way of life people began to gather around him, and this is the first thing he said to them. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Then he walks by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two brothers, and this is, this is his invitation for them to be his student. Hey, come follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. I'll show you how to... I'll demonstrate, I'll teach for you. I'll show you how to catch people so that they then become followers of this movement. They get also hooked, literally, on God's love and grace working in and through and around their lives. In his call to his disciples, he told them that following him would mean that they would learn how to reach other people and to draw them into what they were learning. They would literally learn how to catch other people. They would be, from the beginning, learning how to live a life on mission. One of the things this means is that when we go all in with God, our lives will produce fruit. We will live with purpose, and that purpose will show itself in results. And what results from our lives? We will produce fruit. Our life will be lived on mission, and, and that mission will have an impact. Real quickly, Mark chapter 4. Jesus tells this story. He actually uses an illustration of a, a farmer sowing seed. It says a farmer goes out and sows seed, and some of that seed falls on hard soil and it doesn't sink in. Some of it goes into the ground, but the heat of the day bakes it. Others of it, it birds of the air take it. Others of it falls. It actually begins to grow up a little bit. Then weeds come up and choke it out. But then some of that seed falls on good soil. And that seed that falls on good soil, this is don't, if you miss everything else, don't miss this. Before I give you the conclusion, let me say, he then... After he finishes this, his disciples say, what? Jesus explains it. He says, okay, look, 
the seed is like God's word that comes into your life. And, and I'm like a sower and I'm training you to go out and be a sower. And you're going to have mixed results in sowing the seed. But some of that seed falls on good soil. This is what happens to the seed that falls on good soil. So if your heart is good soil, if you've been all in with God, this is what happens. He says, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up. It grew, it produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, and even 100 times. To be all in with God is to live a life on mission, to live a life on purpose. Your life doesn't live you, your stuff doesn't control you, your job doesn't manage you. You have a purpose. Your life is lived intentionally, and it produces fruit. So now let's return to uh, the opening passage that Cheryl read for us. When we go all in with God, our lives will be lived on mission. So Jesus called his first disciples and us to a life of mission. From the very beginning of his ministry, as we said, hey, come follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then throughout his teaching ministry and by example, the life he lived, he talked about being on mission. And perhaps most importantly, it was the very last thing he told us. The last thing Jesus said in his life, as if he put an exclamation point, underlined, and bolded it. Jesus told us this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These are his, final, his parting words. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples. And this is some of what that process is going to look like. You're baptizing them. You're initiating them. You're drawing them in. You're going to teach them everything I've taught you. And here's the deal. I'm going to be with you throughout that whole process to the end until time comes to its penultimate conclusion, its ultimate conclusion. So first he says, all authority has been given to me. I don't have time to drill down on all of this, but let's just say, in effect, what Jesus is saying is, I'm the man. Up until now, you've been amazed, you've been startled, you've tried to figure it all out, you've even tried to find categories for me. But know today, if it wasn't clear, if you forget everything else, guys, don't forget this, I'm the man. And because I'm the man, I want you to go. Because I'm the man, you go. Get outside of yourself and your own little world. Get outside of your own problems. Literally, go out to others who do not understand or know this message. Literally, get outside of your own little world and go and give this message to others. If you do, they will be hooked. They're waiting for you. Go. This is the message. I want you to make them students of mine. Because this is a pattern of living that will rock the world and change their lives and give it meaning. Go make disciples. Turn them into all-in followers of me. Turn them into people who have an all-in connection with God. Baptize them. Set them apart. This week, Alex and I, sorry, man, I'm, I'm stealing a little bit, but part of what we want to do with our budget this year is to be able to move Alex to some priorities for which he is gifted. Alex was the guy who did the missions minute for us this morning. And we brought Alex on staff, our incredible good fortune a couple of years ago, and merged with another church and also brought some terrific families with us in that process. 
Alex came on, and there are a whole set of things related to our life together for which Alex is well-suited, he's gifted, and he's good at it, and he wants to do it, and we don't have time for him to do it right now because we had to ask Alex to take care of our youth program for a while. So this next year, we would like to be able to find some dedicated energy that will help us release Alex to do some of the things that we would like for Alex to do in our congregation that will improve our infrastructure and improve our communications with you and with outsiders and with one another. So to do that, we uh, started praying and looking for some people we can't yet afford to bring someone in full-time to take care of our youth ministry. And as Tom and Tim both said, our youth ministry is critically important to us. Your teenagers are, they're not just our future, they're our present. So we started thinking and praying about the possibility of bringing in a couple of people who could be like interns for us. And Alex could maintain a presence and coach them and be very involved in that ministry, but bring in some interns who were younger because Alex, after all, is an old white guy. And we wanted to bring some energy and some sizzle into our youth ministry. So we began to pray for that. And I want to tell you we have the possibility of just an outstanding prospect. It's way more than we thought we were going to get for the time and money that we could offer. As a guy who has done full-time ministry for years and took a time out to go to seminary, and he's almost finished in this last year while he's finishing up, he's willing to come help a church like us for peanuts. So we were blown away. Alex and I met with him for a long time, Friday afternoon, just to talk, and he's a great guy, and he's a, you know, he's a, he's a big, he's a big old boy, and he's a Chinese-American, played football for Chantilly High several years ago when they won the state championship. Well, as part of his spiritual story, his family was brought over here late in the uh, early 80s, mid-80s, after the Vietnam War era. His family was a family that They were Chinese business people in Vietnam, and when Vietnam fell apart, most of those folks had to leave and go to Europe or the United States. His family was one of those, so they came here. And in that process, this young man, in his middle teenage years, uh, became a follower of Christ. His parents are irreligious. He, He wanted to be baptized. His parents said to him, you know, if you do that, we recognize, from what little we know, we recognize that getting baptized like that is a point of no return. Isn't that cool? It's a point of no return. It's like being all in. You know what I mean, don't you, Taylor? It's a point of no going back. So his parents said, if you do that, we're going to disown you. Imagine if that was your spiritual heritage. So for six years... He waited and prayed, wanting to honor his parents and wanting to honor God. In the meantime, both his brother and sisters became Christians. And so did his younger cousins. He got to a point where he was so convinced that he needed to be all in with God that he gathered his brother and sister together for a meeting. And he said, listen, I feel like I need to do this. I don't know what mom and dad's reaction is going to be, but I think I'm going to be baptized. Are you all okay with that? And his younger brother said, Dude, we've been waiting on you. (laughs) You're the head, we're following you. So that Sunday, five of them got baptized together. And they went all in. 
that's the call on our lives. To be all in and then to be on mission. And when we do that, we bring other people with us. It's just what happens. It's who we are. Teach them everything I've taught you. 